When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, and welcome to this week's Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is our weekly podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Scout Scout Network. In each episode, we'll look back on the game week we've just played and assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures. We'll also catch up with a member of the Scout Network to find out what they've been up to, as well as gaining an insight into their FPL planning and content. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's Scout the Game Week. This week, I'm joined by Wix and Charles, who are from FPL Chit Chat. Hi boys, how are you both? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you for asking. Um, Very well, thanks. It's a real privilege to be on here to speak to an audience beyond our mini league of Chip Chat. Well, Chip Chat is is a relatively new um, member of of kind of the Scout family. Um, you're part of the Scout Academy, which which is lovely. You're you're our honorary members of the Scout Academy on Scout the Game Week. You are our first, um, and it's really interesting to talk to you because I think. I always really like talking to people that are relatively new into their journey to to FPL content creating because you kind of bring something fresh and different. And so I'm kind of intrigued to know a bit more about you guys and and where the idea for the chip chat came from. I'd say for us, like, well, potentially many other recent content creators with uh, the recent lockdowns and Project Restart, we figured that would sort of be the perfect opportunity for us to sort of get involved. Um, We've between friends ran a mini league for a few years now and, uh, we had sort of like buy-ins and forfeits, but in the form of um, pints. And uh, we kind of just looked to continue that, but sort of globalise uh, a little bit as we kind of open the league up to people outside our friend group for the first time. Uh, again, it's a thing that we find ourselves talking about pretty much every day, um, especially nowadays with the fixtures seeming like every night. And I think kind of we opened it up not really knowing what we'd expect. Um, Charles comes from more of kind of a I guess, media, podcast, kind of broadcasting background. Um, And I just come from more of a background of just rubbish chat, really. But um, (laughs) we just kind of put it out there and see how it went. And we've kind of got this group of sort of 90 to 100 odd kind of uh, people in our league all around the world who ask us questions. And we have kind of monthly winners, seasonal winners. And kind of the beauty of it as well, we've pledged to give each monthly winner a pint of beer, no matter where they're from. So in our first ever month, uh, the winner was in South Africa. So we had to send a beer out to him in South Africa. I love that. I love the pictures of them um, on your social media. I was having a look back today at their beers and uh, with the little chip chat logo on it. Like it's great. And I think it's, it's different, isn't it? It's something that isn't really, doesn't really happen across the rest of the community. I, I like the fact that it's a little tight knit community, although it might grow a bit after your appearance on this. Um, hopefully you'll, you'll have a few more people that are, are taking part. How long have you two known each other? Charles? It's since 2012. What's that now? We went to uni together and we lived together for years. And we are, at least I am, this is I think my third season of taking FPL seriously. And I'm dreaming about it, despite having just all the mistakes I made. I don't know if this is common among players or whether it's just newbies, but it definitely plays my sleep. But in setting up our podcast, we're under no illusion that we're experts, like it's a crowded podcast space. So we thought if we put the uh, league, a community first, then at least we've caught a small audience and we can engage with them. And if it gets bigger, then it just means we can engage more people and, of course, ship out more beers. I love that. And I think it's... um. Yeah, it's nice because everybody that content creates in this kind of space is is doing something slightly different. Um, and I, I like the fact that you found your little niche in it. And it's nice that you have that kind of friendly banter between yourselves because it kind of then transpires out into the rest of the community as well. Exactly. Um, Just to add on that quickly, I'd say that, um, funnily enough, we were both actually kind of co-captains for one of our football teams at university. So... And picking the perfect X1 started there at university, except for it was real players in front of us. Um, obviously, we picked ourselves to start every week, of course. <laughs> we never benched ourselves. Um, but that's kind of where the real team sheet started, I guess. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, going back to what you said before, Charles, I think even if you've been playing it for, for multiple years, it still plagues your sleep. Um, I know for me personally, 
that when the game week's gone badly or I've benched the wrong player, it plays on my mind for, for a while afterwards. It doesn't go away just uh, because you get get more senior in terms of playing the game and, and your numbers of years doing it. Um, so tell me so far then, what's been your kind of your plans for taking Chip Chat forward? Because as we said, it's relatively new in terms of um, the content that you're creating. Have you had any thoughts as to where you might go next season or you know what you might do to develop your channels for us too personally I think we love an away day and the beer and the football kind of tie in perfectly and that's kind of where the idea came about um and yeah I, I think the next plan would be potentially to look for some sort of beer sponsor to kind of sponsor the pod obviously sponsorships are quite big on podcasts um mm. so um maybe a local London brewery might fancy us who knows um <laughs> but that's uh probably the next kind of plan we have done a few sort of videos. We're both based in London. So um, we've got a couple of clubs near us and um, kind of we've gone and I've had a visit to a couple and taken some sort of shots outside. And I saw these, your away days. <laughs> yeah, road chip. Uh, <laughs> but basically kind of the thought behind that is obviously a lot of people locked down at the moment, can't really go out, can't go visit these clubs on away days, etc. So we're quite lucky to be on the doorstep of a few clubs and, you know, we try and bring the club into your living room sort of style. And I think that's great, isn't it? Because, you know, like you say, a lot of people are are stuck at home right now. Um, and FPL is, is bringing a lot of joy to a lot of people's lives and, and things like that. They do make a big difference. And what about your season so far then? How are they going? Uh, are you having good seasons? Well, we're, we're doing all right. So kind of just a bit of history of our uh, kind of pints league, as we call it. Um, Charles has basically won like every year of the last few seasons. Um, and I've always come up in sort of the bronze medal spot. So... I think this Sounds is like Lee first. and I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we've actually had a reversal this year. So um, I'm beating Charles for once and I'm absolutely loving it every week. Um, so not too bad. I mean, we're just having a quick peek here. 750k. So um, nowhere near like some of the other guys you've had on here for sure. Um, but, you know, above halfway. So can't complain too much. I think uh, not too bad. But uh, what about you, Charles? Well, I've done very poorly for a number of reasons. Um I'm less than or I'm lower than half in our own league. So that says it all really. And it's down to, at the beginning, being too slow to ship out players who had good previous seasons, like sort of Doherty, Aubameyang. Mm. Taking a punt on youngsters who never came through, like Dean Garner, West Brom. And being a Liverpool fan, having a complete bias <laughs> for Liverpool and against Man United. So... Not owning Bruno Fernandes has kind of ruined me. Also, holding on to my wild card, which was just down to generic advice, which you get holding on for as long as possible. But I guess that only works if you're doing okay in the first place. So if I could go back in time, that play my wild card earlier is something that I'd do. I think also, you know, when you first start content creating, there's a bit more pressure, I guess, to 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 do really well and you kind of overthink. I know that, you know, Lee and I were both, both, um, both did this at the beginning. You start to overthink what, what moves you're making, if they're the right things. Um, you, you know, Liverpool and Spurs bias for us comes into it. Of course it does. Um, and, you know, I know that last season I probably had Harry Kane for much longer than I should have done is, is the reality. Um, although this season, that can't be said. Um, he definitely deserves his place. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, in the early days of content creating, when you first start putting yourselves out there, it, it is a pressure. It's a new pressure as well that you kind of don't expect to have. And it comes from nowhere. And, and sometimes you get into that um, that rut, don't you, where you've got your team and like, you keep thinking, but they look all right. They'll come good. They're the right sort of players. And it's just how long it takes you to to kind of come to the realisation that actually Aubameyang just hasn't been at the races so far this season um and and like you say with the Liverpool boys that particularly the defenders they've they've not been there either this year and it's it's a surprise given how good they were last season uh, but what about game week 23 how did that go well my problem is whenever I think I've done well the good players do better <laughs> uh, which is more than I could say for earlier in the season when I was just doing poorly so yeah I got above average with 66 um which yeah, I was happy with until I saw a lot of higher scores and just beat Wicks for one of the few times this season. So I like that as well. Yeah. Was there a captaincy blank in there or did your uh, captain return? For me, I captained Bamford and he returned for me. Yeah. And I think that was the big difference this game week. It was, you know, there was a lot of players out there that returned. You know, we had 
returns from from Bruno and Salah and all the usual suspects but captaincy blanks were a big big deal this this time around because if you'd had it on Bruno or Son or like you did on Bamford uh, good decisions I had mine on Antonio which massively backfired when Fulham decided to play a lot better than I ever anticipated against West Ham. Uh, Wix, what about you? How did your game go? I'm the same as you, Sam. I put the band on Antonio, trusted yeah. in the uh, big guys, but he didn't uh, deliver the goods, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah, four points on that. Again, like you said, ruined by the band and the bench combined. Seems to be a bit of a duo for me each week. Uh, I kind of made the shrewd move of putting the City defenders on the bench, so very happy with that. But yeah. Phil Foden also sat on it, uh, which uh, is so not too great for me. But, I'll make uh, you feel better because I benched Dominic Calvert-Lewin this week. So 13 <laughs> points there. Uh, over the course of the season now, I've benched over 200 points so far this season, uh, which is obscene. It's, obscene. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those things that I think my strategy for the season so far has been to have a decent playing bench to cover me for rotation, COVID, uh, injuries, what have you. Uh, snow, just in case that affects us. Mm-hmm. But Actually, there's there's pros and cons to having a good bench. And one of the major cons is the amount of points that just say sat on it over the course of the game weeks. Exactly. I actually heard you and Lee talking about it, saying that obviously everyone's naturally got a really big bank at the moment. So uh, you're finding yourself, you know, not benching your 3.9 million players. You've got some actual decent players on the bench for once. Yeah. So I think that's definitely leading to a lot of heartbreak, I think. For sure, for sure. OK, now we know a bit more about you and how game week 23 went and your season so far. Let's get into scouting the game week. Game week 23 then. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday evening. We've had three uh, FA Cup games so far. Um, later on this evening after we finish recording, um, well, actually, they'll, they'll probably start uh, their kickoff whilst we are recording. We've got Leicester and Brighton, Sheffield United and Bristol, Everton and Spurs, and then tomorrow, Wolves and Southampton, um, Burnley and Chelsea. And obviously these are quite big talking points and they're things that we have to keep in mind because whilst they're not necessarily going to affect our teams for game week 24, they will have an impact on our teams for game week 25. And of course, game weeks 29 and 26 will be massively affected by what happens in the cup and therefore our transfer plans moving forward. So I think we'll start off by talking about game week 23, as we always do. We'll look back at the players that impressed us um, and see where they lead to in terms of our thoughts moving into game week 24 and beyond. So players that impressed you this week. I mean, there was a number, wasn't there, of, of highly owned FPL assets that, that did really well this week. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin returning, Gundogan returning, Martinez doing what Martinez does best, uh, came back and involved in the goals again. Salah now has three and three. Any of them impress you? Um, any of them that you don't own that you're thinking, gosh, they really are a, a, a target now for me moving forwards? Um, I, I don't know if you heard our latest pod, but uh, Gundogan's one that I don't own and I'm very annoyed not to be an owner and I, I've stuck with Phil, even though he was on my bench, even at the time he did deliver. But um, that, that's one that I'm really living to rue the tail on. Um, I, I would say for players that have impressed me at the moment, um, obviously when you look at the growing injury list for this season of premium players, especially up top, um, budget forwards, to be honest, just in general. So, I've got three kind of up the top, all less than seven million um, in terms of value. And Bamford and Watkins, again, some seem to be delivering pretty consistently. We just spoke about, obviously, Antonio blanking, but he's also been on pretty good form um, mm-hmm. as last game week. So I, I just say kind of budget strikers in general, um, especially those two. It was good to see in the news that Bamford plays FPL and obviously uh, captained himself. Yeah, if only it told us before the game week, though. Exactly. Um mm-hmm. That's really changed my opinion on it because I've seen like Zaha in the past come out and say, oh, should I put you as captain? And he's replied on the tweet, oh, no, don't bother or something. And I've gone, oh, OK, fine. But this is someone that's actually got himself captain week in, week out. So he's yeah. obviously caring about those assists and, you know, poacher-styled goals in the box. Um, but yeah, that, that'd be my kind of ones. A- anything you got in mind, Charles? When you mentioned budget strikers, one striker who isn't the budget is Kane, who I think has to be bought in the coming weeks. Uh, so I've got an odd forward lineup, or at least I had for the last game week of Bamford, Firmino, and Jesus. I bench Jesus, um, which I was obviously pleased about. But uh, yes, Firmino has now gone for DCL, and Kane will be coming in definitely for Jesus in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think Kane's an interesting one for me. He's one that you know, without even without my Spurs goggles on, and, and we all know as Lee rightly calls me out on, I have them on a lot, but. 
take them off. And I think he has been the the striker of the season, um, particularly in, in the premium price bracket. Now, we haven't seen a lot of Aguero. Vardy's obviously been a bit hit and miss so far this season, sometimes great, sometimes not. But Kane has been consistent in his returns. Um, lots of FPL managers, myself included, sold him on the back of that Liverpool game on, on the basis that, you know, it was another ankle injury and the, the worries that come with Kane and his apparently glass ankles. Now, thankfully, from a Spurs point of view and also from an FPL point of view, he's back. Um, and all right, it was against West Brom, who have been pretty poor so far in game week 23. That was no exception. Um, but he was good. He controlled the play again. Spurs were much chirpier as a result of him being there um, and was back in the goals. So for me, he is absolutely one that really impressed during game week 23, unsurprisingly, and had a positive impact on Sun because there was a lot of managers out there kind of questioning prior to game week 23, whether you hold Sun or not. Um, Kane made a positive impact on him. And I think, you know, the results um, with him in the team are so much so much more improved on what Spurs do without him. And the, the games that they have coming forward mean that it, it makes a lot of sense to start targeting Kane. Now, obviously, they don't have a double in game week 24, which we're going to look at later. Um, and in fact, have a really tough game in game week 24 against Manchester City. They don't double in 25, but they are highly likely to double in 26. We know that they're also going to miss a game for the League Cup final. So there will be another double to come for them at some stage. So all and of course, then there's the FA Cup. Whatever happens tonight remains to be seen whether they'll miss game week 29 or not. So there's a lot of positives about owning a Spurs player moving forward. Um, and Kane, for me, is, is up there. I totally agree with you. I think he, he looks really good. What about teams then? Anyone that kind of you thought what you watched in game week 23 and you thought, actually they've impressed me because for me it was Aston Villa again that kind of really surprised me I wasn't expecting that necessarily against an Arsenal team that had been showing some decent form I'd say kind of just having a look at the top six or the big sixes uh, they maybe used to be called uh, probably still are called that actually <laughs> they're pretty inconsistent this season I find you know yeah. the like Liverpool Spurs Arsenal they registered a lot of shock defeats in my opinion so um when you say, you know, teams in terms of bankers outside of City, but obviously they've got the Pep Roulette, et cetera, so a bit hard to predict there. I'd personally say Brighton, um, unbeaten in five. They've just registered some really big wins against like Liverpool and Spurs. Sorry, Sam. Um, yeah. And I'm sure Graham's going to be pottering about team selection for oh. next, uh, <laughs> on that. So, um, yep, yeah, I, I think Brighton assets, definitely something to look at. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I wrote an article about Brighton a couple of days ago, um, and one one of the players that really, really impressed me was Lewis Dunk. When you look at Lewis Dunk's stats over the last few weeks, he has been incredible. He's returned 37 points um, in the last five game weeks. Um, that includes four clean sheets, a goal, six bonus points. Um, and when you think that he's only owned by 3.4% of the game, that is massive, massive differential territory. He's also you know he he regularly starts he's no real threat of rotation with Lewis Dunk he's always up there for kind of the aerial jewels um they are on a ridiculous run of form in terms of their ability to keep a clean sheet they've really settled down and that will only improve with the return of Lamptey I should should expect so yeah for me I think I think you're right I, they they continue to surprise me, Brighton, and they continue to impress. What about going forward for Brighton? Like Sir Pascal Gross was obviously involved in um, in the goal against Burnley this week. Uh, would you go for for one of their forward players, or, or do you think it's really about the defence? Um, potentially, like you said, he takes the penalties as well, I, I believe. Um, and I think he's injured at the moment. Was it Welbeck looked pretty exciting for them mm. um, before his injury, obviously. And then uh, you've got the likes of Mapai, et cetera, who have had um, some, some, well, definitely a good start to the season. So, um, yeah, I think all over, like you said, Dunk seems a bit of a slam dunk for one of the defenders in your mm -hmm. side there. Um, but, yeah. Brighton actually have one of my favourite players on the eye, but his stats don't make him worth me buying him in. And that's Trotter. I think I love watching him play. He looks to be a really good player. But yeah, the one in my team I'd want to get rid of him. And that's the trouble, I think, isn't it, with the Brighton attacking players is that, you know, in defence, there's plenty of opportunity for, for change for FPL managers. But we're getting to the stage of the season where, you know, the likes of Bruno Fernandes um, and Son, 
Suchek even at West Ham. These players are all players that you're starting to look at your team and go, I can't take you out. And so the, there's one or two spots that are available and it makes for picking those differential picks like Rose, like Trossard, a bit more challenging. Um, because as you say, you look at them, they look great, but you kind of think, well, who, who am I going to take out? But it's at this stage of the season where I think sometimes a, a bit more of a risky pick, an educated gamble, I suppose, on, on the players with the good form and the good fixtures might just be the way that you break that next points barrier or the next goal in your mini league or overall rank that, that you're aiming for. Because there will be a number of players now that are... Um, all focusing in on the same sorts of players. So I, I, I was looking earlier at Aston Villa and um, particularly Martinez. So he's owned by 35% of the game now, over 35% of the game. And so many people own him. I actually don't own any Aston Villa defenders and it is killing me every single week. Uh, my The rest of my squad have to work doubly hard to catch up on the points I lose with Aston Villa. Last time around, when they kept the clean sheet against Arsenal, it cost me 25k in rank, which then the rest of my team had to regain in order to get me into a green arrow. Um, and I was looking at, well, you know, I could, yes, I can just go to Martinez, not just yet because Nick Pope is in my goal, and obviously I want him for the double that Bernie are going to have um, in 24, which we can talk about in a bit. But you know, yes, I can just bring in Martinez, but I'm no longer bringing in a pick that's going to give me massive overall rank games it's just going to cover that mm-hmm. clean sheet um so actually i then started to look um using live fpl at the um percentage ownership of uh, combined players for aston villa um, and that makes for really interesting reading because suddenly you know you you can make your your villa defenders or your other players um a bit more differential so when you um take martinez and you um own him alongside say matt target who's got three assists of his own this season and is doing really well, of course, with the 11 clean sheets that the Aston Villa have kept. 4.2% of managers own them in combination with each other. So suddenly you're taking a player that's worth, you know, in 35% of teams and you're making him a differential. It gets even better with the other defenders until you get down to Matt Cash, where he and Martinez combined are only owned by 0.4% of the game. So suddenly you're talking about differentialism. And for me, we've got to that, that point in the season where because I'm talking about movements and changes in my peripheral players, I'm trying to make those players work for me as best as they can. Um, and the likes of, you know, the double up on, on a Aston Villa defence looks fairly safe. The clean sheets are consistently there. They've got lots of double game weeks coming up because of the amount of fixtures that are yet to be rescheduled for them. Um have you got any defensive double ups across your teams? Anyone that's coming in well for you, Manchester City potentially? Most people seem to have the double up there. Oh, I've got them both. And I mean, I, there was that week I put Cancelo captain and Stones vice captain and they both got dropped. So um, uh, for one game I had no captain, which was mad. So um, yeah, not, not the best of uh, <laughs> decisions, that one for the band. But um, that, that's probably my only defensive double up, I'd say here. Uh, Wado, you got any? Recently, I had a Leeds double up of Alioski and Dallas, uh, who I got rid of for, um, can't remember now, but I'm looking at Kufad on Wambasaka, um, just as I think ultimately their replacements. And I don't regret getting rid of them, but they are a double up that I've had who worked well at the time. Mm. Because I, I mean, I had McCarthy and Carl Walker-Peters for a very, very long time this season. In fact, I still do own them both. Um, and they've been outstanding. Uh, not of late. The the drubbing by Manchester United seems to have killed, killed Southampton's defensive spirit. Um, but otherwise, they've been really, really good. And it's been a, a successful strategy. It's quite stressful owning two defenders from the same team because you always have that absolute fear that it's not just costing me four points if you score. It's going to cost me eight. Um, but I do think it's worth looking at. And I think, you know, going into these double game weeks where, you know, a lot of people will be clamouring for attacking players, it's worth having a little look at um, the double ups. Um, and you can use livefpl.net and it will uh, tell you the, the ownership stats when you combine one, two, three players from the same team, different teams, however you want to play it. Um, and I, I find that's a really useful tool in working out whether it's worth taking a punt on having a couple of them over just having the one of them Definitely. right then oh god no i was just going to say on your point i i have found though this season uh, in terms of when we speak about trends it's uh sorry to coin the corny phrase but it's a bit of a season like no other really in the sense that 
the, the trends just chop and change so much this year. I said to Charles uh, the other day, you know, long gone are the days where it's 3 p.m. every Saturday, Wayne Rooney or Van Persie's got your armband and he's the first pick on the team sheet every week. What you're finding here is, you know, when it, you first started with the games and no fans in the stadiums, it was almost kind of a cagey affair. Mm. No one was really familiar with it. Then all of a sudden they became like training ground matches, you know, when... Goals hear- everywhere. Exactly, the pre-season friendlies, which end up 7-5, and you think, how the hell did that happen? And then we're there watching it, right? And then it seems to have gone a little bit cagey now with the occasional sort of shock result. But um, I find with some of these, like Martinez, um, you, you just kind of, you know, if you're not in there and you, you hold off for too long, a bit like Charles and Fernandez still not having him at the moment, yeah. you really do pay the price, unfortunately. I, I think You do. That. You do. I, I totally agree with you. I, I You know, I think the Martinez thing it's not been through any sense of um, not wanting him. It's just been that there's been other things to do every time. So, you know, he was in my plans for the week Harry Kane got injured and then suddenly I've got a Harry Kane injury to deal with. So the keeper went on the back burner and I dealt with that. Uh, Then he was in the plans for last week. uh, And then the double game weeks got announced and suddenly it's like, oh, hang on a minute. Then I've got Nick Pope playing twice with two really nice fixtures in 24. So maybe I go there instead and I deal with McCarthy to Martinez a little bit later. And I think it's just one of those transfers that because there's always been something really pressing to do, it's kind of just gone under the radar a little bit. But yeah, every time the deadline passes, I look at my team and then I look at, you know, whichever sports channel the football's on and I think oh gosh here come Aston Villa again how much are they going to punish me by this week because you know with him in particular it's not just the clean sheets it's the bonus points it's the save points it's a penalty save and you're before you know it you're down by 10 points before you've even done anything with your own keeper yeah he's a real shot stopper I mean we were lucky enough to have him at Reading for a season I had to get that one in there (laughs) uh, a ton of penalty saves for us got player of the season actually funny enough so um yeah. I knew he was destined for bigger things. Um, he, he's definitely killing me. I think, Charles, you and I, we have to spend our weeks getting Bruno and, and Martinez and, and just stop punishing ourselves any further than we already have. Yeah, good shout. <laughs> All right, then. Let's get into game week 24. This is the one that we were of all kind of in the last couple of weeks turned our attention to up until um, maybe last Thursday we were all really focusing in on game week 26 what might the doubles look like in 26 and then all of a sudden the Premier League at six o'clock decides to come out and go here you are FPL managers here's some rearranged fixtures which sent us all into absolute chaos while we all tried to decipher who we went for um, so I think what we'll do to start with because obviously game week 24 is a, is a big point in its own in its own right and Charles, you'll, you'll forgive me for mentioning him again, but Bruno Fernandes has probably got the game of the week against West Brom. Um, but we have these four teams um, that will play twice, Everton, uh, Manchester City, Fulham and Burnley. So I think it's best that we start with them. Think about the top picks for those clubs. Um, we have a little bit more understanding with Man City now, of course, because we've seen them in action in the FA Cup just before we came on to record. So we saw Gundogan and Sterling start the game and then be withdrawn on around 55 minutes. So not playing the full 90 minutes, which sigh of relief for me as a Gundogan owner, made it through the game, went off, surely starts. But the issue I have with Manchester City, and you guys can tell me what you think, is Manchester City tonight embarks on their first game um, of five in the next 14 days. The pet roulette is going to be extreme in those next five games, isn't it? Because, you know, he's got this FA Cup game that he's just played, Premier League games, the restart of the Champions League. What do we do as FPL managers about Manchester City? Because they've got two quite difficult games on paper against Everton and Spurs. Neither of those games in isolation in my opinion, are captain games for the Manchester City players. You play them, of course you would, but I don't think you'd captain them. So do you risk a captain's armband on these guys, given they may only play once? I think, like you said, the roulette is a real issue and I've been, you know, I've lived to tell the tale and and been burnt by that on many an occasion. So to be honest, if you've got players in the squad already, I'd say stick with them. If you're looking for maybe a new City asset, you've only got two in your team at the moment. I want to be looking for two surefire starters. Make the most of the double game week. Um, You know, if you isolate that as a single game week, it's not really that great, like you said, in terms of the teams they're playing. Yes, City are great form, et cetera, et cetera. But so for me personally, I'd be looking at either Diaz or Edison. Um, They're the only two in my head that are going to play 180 minutes for sure. Um, 
even maybe not even Diaz, maybe just Edison, to be honest. Um, yeah, because it, interestingly, as I'm talking to you, it, it, it's just been a, um, a conversation on Twitter where um, Guardiola has said that um, Diaz has got stomach issues and running a temperature. And when asked if he would be ready for the Tottenham game, he replied, uh... so again, this is very pep. This is very pep. Um, but it throws up that quandary, doesn't it? Because I own Diaz. Now, what do I do with him? I can't take him out because it's ahead of a double game weekend. He has been absolutely superb for me. But if he's only going to play once, would I actually rather play one of my benched defenders this week? I was looking at my bench boost for this week, but if there's doubts about Diaz, then maybe I won't. Maybe I'll hold it. I, I just think with, with Pep, he, of all of these teams that we have to come, Man City and, and uh, the others, Man City are the ones that there's the most risk involved with because we've seen him before. Sometimes he'll play Foden, sometimes he won't. Sometimes he'll play Mares, sometimes he won't. Sometimes Jesus is there or maybe it's Torres. Um, we've seen Laporte and Stones and Cancelo all get rest and game time. So it's very, very difficult. It's very hard to call what he's going to do. If I kind of nailed your colours to the mask, what Man City players do you think are the best bets for this week? Edison, we've, I think we can all agree that if you want to go with the keeper, I think he is nailed. Anyone else that you think, yes, they are assured of both fixtures? I think until De Bruyne comes back, Gundogan is um, playing. I think he's... I don't think they've got a player for their magical names. I don't think they've got enough for him not to play in that position. So... Yeah. He hasn't got my armband. I've actually, as you've been speaking, taken it off him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he will be playing for me along with Cancelo and Jesus. Yeah, see, I think Gundogan is, I agree with you. I think he will play both games. I think the fact he came off on 55 minutes tonight um, in the FA Cup suggests that, well, that says how important Pep sees Gundogan is. And he has been so vital to them, particularly in KDB's absence, like you say. So, yeah, for me, I I agree with you. But again, because of this risk of rotation and because, you know, would I captain Gundogan in a single game week against Spurs? No. Would I captain him in a single game week against Everton? No. Will I captain him in, could I captain him in double game week against those two? Yes, absolutely. You could. Do I want to? Or do I think that there are other players that are potentially better options? Even single game week players that are potentially better options? Maybe. What about at Everton then? Um, where are we looking in terms of those Everton players? Is there one of outside Dominic Calvert-Lewin? Because he's going to be the go-to, I think, for most. James Rodriguez, there were some doubts around about him and hopefully we'll get some more information on him after the Spurs game in the FA Cup um, on Wednesday evening. But is there anyone else in Everton? What about Dino? A lot of FPL managers will look towards him. Do we think that he he might make a nice pick for this double game week? I don't see Everton. I've never fancied Everton to get a clean sheet. So for all his mm. attacking returns. Uh, I think just having Pickford in goal makes me hesitant to uh, have an Everton defender, especially when I think City might just get a one nil over them. But if you're looking at their best players, he is he is there. But I don't think the double game week with City being the second opposition should be read too much into and just focus, just look at it as we're playing Fulham at home. If you want points from Fulham at home, then sure, get Dino. Yeah, I, I think I tend to agree with you, actually. Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, is currently wearing my captain's armband this week, um, based on exactly almost what you've just said. Um, that game against Fulham is why I put the armband on him, with the potential that there might be some upside um, in the Man City game, even if it's just two more play- two more points uh, for starting and playing the game. Um, if DS doesn't make it, maybe actually I'm more confident about that pick because mm. I think he is so important to that Man City back line. So if he has got some sort of fever and, and stomach condition that keeps him out now, whether that will keep him out of a game against Everton, which is a week, a week's time, because obviously uh, Manchester City plays Spurs first, but you know, we yet to see, see the extent of that. It's just a, a, a flippant comment from Pep in the aftermath of the FA Cup. So who knows where that might lead. But I think, you know, you are talking really with Everton about, a one game choice 
the, the Fulham game and then a couple of extra points in Man City. That's how yeah. it feels like we are. We're targeting Everton. On the other hand, we have Fulham who have what I think are two quite difficult fixtures for them against a Burnley defence that have been really solid um, and then against an Everton attack, which in full flow, if all the creative players are there, could do damage too. So would you, is there anyone at Fulham that you think they could be a good bet, given that we now know that they will play in game week 29? So if you don't have a free hit chip, bringing a Fulham player in now for the double in 24 and keeping them through 29 might actually be quite a good idea. Yeah, I mean, personally, so housemate Henry over here is a Fulham fan, so we hear a load about um, the cottages in the house, unfortunately. Um, for one, if you're looking for attacking returns, you can't really look past Lookman, can you? Um, even though he is a bit off the boil recently. One player who seemed um, to have revived his career a little bit recently, maybe Mitrovic back in the side. Um, mm. His price has definitely dropped down a bit since the start of the season, but getting some game time there up top... Um, the final player we are to chat about is Josh Madger, uh, the Sunderland Till I Die documentary, famous striker there, um, coming in at five, 5.5 million if you want to punt on a Fulham forward, maybe. What about the goalkeeper? Because a lot of managers will look for a second goalkeeper option. Uh, he's nice and cheap, five, uh, 4.5 million. So uh, with the exception of Brighton Sanchez, the cheapest uh, playing keeper in the game, does have a tendency to pick up some save points. So, you know, might not. And I don't think, well, the Burnley game, there's potential for a clean sheet there, isn't there? They don't score a lot of goals. Uh, Chris Wood is out. Um, so it's it's going to be reliant on Ashley Barnes there. But, you know, there's maybe potential for a nil-nil draw against Burnley. So he might get a clean sheet. Against Everton, I'm not convinced that there's a clean sheet there. But there's save potential and they will put in a lot of shots. So... Do we think that it's worth a, a bit of a punt on him, particularly if you're bench boosting this week and you want two keepers? Well, all our talk of Martinez earlier, he has been benched by Fulham's number one um, for those reasons. Uh, I'm eyeing up a nil-nil against Burnley. Whether I'd buy him if I didn't have him or not, I'm not too sure I'd be brave enough to spend a transfer on a goalkeeper um, who isn't Martinez right now. But... All the signs suggest that he's a good second-choice keeper and he's getting a rare start for me this week. Nice. I like that. I don't like Martinez sitting on your bench, though, because that's always that's always a concern for FPL managers, isn't it? And there was a lot of unhappy managers last week with Martinez sat on their bench. Um, what about Burnley, then? Let's turn our attention to them. So if we're predicting a rather boring 0-0 draw against Fulham or the potential for there to be um, a 0-0 draw against Fulham... Uh, they also then have a really, really nice fixture um, against Crystal Palace. Now, Crystal Palace have had a, a very mixed season, but without Zahar, they are yet to score a goal. Um, and for me, that was the big turning point for Nick Pope coming into my team last week. Um, this double against a Fulham side that aren't scoring a huge amount of goals, so clean sheet potential there and against a Crystal Palace side that just can't score if Zahar isn't on the pitch. I'm looking at those two games and thinking, well, that's it. it's easier 12-pointer, isn't it? it? Could it be a bonus point magnet game as well? Because he does tend to attract them if Burnley don't score goals. I think Wicks has plenty to say about a certain Nick Pope. Yeah, I mean, well, for one, I brought me in last week. Uh, he was me pick. Um, last week just because like like you said best fixtures of the bunch um, come for this coming up game week yes um, when we talk about kind of mass exoduses of players and the pep roulette um, we, one thing we haven't discussed yet the Tuchel roulette um, you know new manager coming in at Chelsea said he's trying out all new sets of players I've currently got um, Mendy in goal but mm. you know what I could see him even trying out oh, Arizona Balaga um, probably pronounced that wrong but uh, you know maybe he wants to change around in goal. So for me, Pope is um, a really attractive asset with this double game week coming up. Um, I won't give away any spoilers just yet if we get onto armband chat, but he could be a potential captain candidate. I also think, you know, you look ahead to next week in game week 25 for Ben and they've got a lovely fixture where he could easily keep another clean sheet. And that's the pivot point for me with, with the Martinez conversation was that yes, longer term, I do want Martinez. But for these double game week and then for the game week after, when I'm going to have a choice to make, because I still have McCarthy, who's got a double, 
but I've also got Pope who's gone to play West Brom. So suddenly it's like, well, do I pick McCarthy in a double game week? But I don't really see him keeping a clean sheet in either of those two fixtures that he's got. Or do I just stick with Pope? Because actually it's a lovely fixture again. And Nick Pope has been outstanding. I mean, at the minute, he is the second um, highest points going keeper just behind Martinez. And they've been sort of flip-flopping in top spot for the last few weeks. And obviously... Pope has played a couple more games than Martinez because of the amount of fixtures that Aston Villa have missed. But but I think he's a really nice option. And I'm really kind of, one of the things I'm looking at is the double up on the Burnley defence right now, because these couple of games um, in game week 24 are perfect for, for a double up. You know, we talked about it with Aston Villa earlier. Um, but I think this is the week, if you're going to go with a Burnley double up, then me, Lawton, um, they all look like nice options. If you've got a bit of money around, Tarkowski even could be a really nice pick. Makes Nick Pope a differential. If these two clean sheets that we think might be there come in, you're laughing in this double game week run. Yeah. I think as well, Sean Dyche, pretty traditional manager there. None of this mixing up of players at the back. You know you're starting. Yeah. You've obviously got Taylor, who's kind of injury, doubt, etc. So... I mean, look, if, if he stays out for them, both Peters is a really good shout with attacking returns as well in that back line. But um, yeah, Peters is the risk, isn't he? He's the one in that back line, I think is a little bit more risky, but I think he'd be unlucky to lose his place to Charlie Taylor because he's been decent over the last few weeks. And like you say, from an FPL point of view, there's definitely attacking returns there. Now, one thing that I know a lot of FPL managers will be looking at their team saying, I've only got one transfer for this week, or I've only got two transfers for this week. I've got a couple of Man City players, maybe three. I've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but otherwise I'm not ready. What do you think? Is it worth taking a hit this week? Or when you look across the fixtures for game week 24, are there enough decent game weeks for our single game week players that you just play through with more singles than you than you would otherwise have wanted to? Definitely, I think so. Especially when you look at West Ham at home, I'm sure... People will have Antonio, um, a West Ham defender or two. They've got a nice pick um, game against Sheffield United. So I certainly wouldn't get rid of one of those user transfer to get a double gaming pair. Same with United. Um, I don't have Bruno, but I do have one Sackett. And West Brom away, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, it definitely doesn't. And, you know, I, I'm looking at, and this is part of the reason why my bench boost strategy came about because I'm looking at my team with Suchek sat yet again on the bench because I can't bench Dominic Calvert-Lewin obviously with the double game week but against Sheffield United that looks like a perfect game for Suchek uh, to do really well and as you say I think the Manchester United guys they look good now we'll get into captaincy in a minute off the back of this conversation because I you know I think you know you look at that West Ham game against uh, Sheffield United you look at Manchester United playing against West Brom, even um, potentially Leeds playing against an Arsenal side that are in a bit of kind of turmoil again at the moment. They seem to be up and down on a bit of a roller coaster of football this season. Um, and, and there's lots of options there. I think, you know, there's a couple of games that are sticky in terms of calling whether you want to play those players. Liverpool and Leicester is one that stands out for me as being a really difficult game to call this week in terms of how that goes, because you know, Liverpool, goodness me, do they need a win. Uh, they really need to recover from it. But I also think that this is almost the right time for it because they've had, for once, they've had a week off where they'll actually be able to work with the new centre-backs and there's potential that I think we see a, a better Liverpool against Leicester this time around. Um, but I think there's enough other fixtures in there that you can go into it with single game week players. You know, the ones that are heavily owned... You know, I wouldn't be worried about playing my Aston Villa players against Brighton. However good Brighton have been defensively, most FPL managers are invested in Brighton and Aston Villa defences. So sticking with both of them feels okay this week as well. They could, you know, play out um, point scores, nil-nil draws. You know, there could be easily points in that for those guys too. Um, If I asked you then to kind of pick out a couple of differentials from the single game week players... Who would you think that you know they might be one that might just do really well this week? We'll leave Bruno out of it because I don't think we can class him as a, a differential anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm going to start with uh, the excitement of the new January arrivals. Who doesn't love a little January transfer signing, eh? Um, so, first of the bunch for me would have to be uh, Jose for Wolves. He's playing, obviously, a potentially leaky 
Southampton. Um, so, yep, c- could be goals are plenty for him there, depending on how what kind of Southampton team turn up for us um, this weekend or next weekend. And then the second new arrival, myself, would be uh, Lingard as well, um, playing um, the Blades, who have been you know quite blunt this season, rock bottom at the moment. Um, so, again, two new arrivals that probably don't have that high ownership ratings just purely because they're kind of new to the game or, you know, mm-hmm. new transferred in. And I think Lingard's really interesting, actually, because most people have a couple of West Ham players in there. I actually have three hammers. I have Creswell, Suchek and Antonio. But with the An- in Antonio being flagged, it kind of makes you start to look elsewhere. And I do think that that fixture is really nice. Um, and West Ham, you know, after that, there's obviously the London derby against Spurs and then they play Manchester City. So their fixtures after aren't hugely inviting but for this game week it's almost the perfect fixture for them I think there could be some really really nice nice goals and some nice returns in there um for for the West Ham boys um okay then let's talk about the all-important captain's armband so I've kind of hinted at where mine might go um but where are you thinking at the moment is it definitely going on a double game week player or are you just going do you know what this single game weeker is is the way to go Mm. Uh, so for myself, I've just been stung so many times by this captain's band. If I think back six, seven, eight game weeks, um, I, I swear I've got two or three points. And you know what? I've just had a bit of enough of it, really. So <laughs> for a bit of solidity, um, to be honest, it's going to probably go on Nick Pope for me. You guaranteed four points. You guaranteed a couple of save points. So let's just call that six, roughly. Hopefully a clean sheet. You know, maybe that'll take me up to ten. 20 points, I think that's fine from a captain for me. I don't want to play it too risky. I'd rather kind of chip my way up the league rather than just completely go for broke at this point in the season. Um, And yeah, uh, you know, you don't really know what's going to happen when these games come so thick and fast and benchings and stuff like that. I got really stung in the last double set of double game weeks with players not playing and I'm just going to play it a little bit safer, I think. Yeah, I just, while I was listening to you talk then, I just thought, I'm going to see when the last time I got my captaincy right was, like properly right. The last time my captain returned was in game week 19. It was on Salah that week. But actually, I haven't had a really, really big captain haul for such a long time, it feels like. Just for whatever reason, the captain's armband decisions have been thought through and they seemed like good ideas at the time Antonio was in good form this week against a Fulham side that weren't necessarily in good form Uh, West Ham as a team were playing really well that seemed like a good idea it's been on Bruno during games where he easily should have returned and didn't it's been on Salah during ridiculous games where I don't know how Liverpool lose to West Brom or or Fulham Um, you know it's been just one of those really turbulent things where picking the armband has been really tough. And that's why I'm put off captaining a Man City player. Because I look at this week and I think I wouldn't captain you against Spurs, not just because it's Spurs, but actually Spurs have got a good record against Man City in, in the Premier League over the, the last three. So they've won two, drawn one, um, scored at least two, well, scored two goals in each of the last three games. So I'm not you know, convinced that Man City are great at the moment. Spurs aren't so great at the moment, but I'm not convinced Man City run away with that. We've seen how Everton have got spirit about them in that Manchester United game. So, you know, let's see what happens there. But there's not one player. If KDB was playing, it'd be different. I think I'd happily put my captain's armband on on KDB because the rotation's just not a thing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's going to come down to a straight choice, I think, for me, in whether I... Play it safe and put the armband on Calvert-Lewin because he's got a double game week. So it's guaranteed to be four unless he gets booked, but he doesn't often. Uh, So it's guaranteed to be four. So that's eight. I wouldn't be thrilled about an eight point return from my captain in a double game week, but it's eight. Um, Or, and I think there's potential for goals in in that game against Fulham. Or do I go, do you know what? Yes, it's a double game week. Yes, I won as many points as I can out of my double game week players. But here's Bruno Fernandes playing against West Brom in arguably his easiest game of the season on the back of a 9-0 and a 3-3 where Manchester United has scored a hell of a lot of goals and the whole team are kind of involved in that. Could there be more than eight points in that game for him? Yes, I think is the answer. And that's 
that's where the conundrum lies. And I'm not sure that there's a right or wrong answer to this in reality as to whether you go with a double game week or a single game week this time around. Yeah, I think I think just to add on that, obviously Bruno was uh, not starting in the cup, so uh, he's yeah. actually rested for once. Even though I remember he was asked in the news, you know, you're ever going to get rested, and he said, "I'm 26, like I can't be taking time off now. I'm like, you know, so young." Um, my one thing about West Brom is obviously we, we've spoken about how unpredictable this season is, and everyone had big ideas of Big Sam coming in and you know really firming it up at the back, and that hasn't happened to be honest. And I do wonder, they have been probably one of the busier teams in the transfer market this January. Obviously, players take a few weeks to settle, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder if kind of the, maybe in the up and coming game weeks, will the look and feel around that club change a little bit with some of these new arrivals? Will they potentially have a bit more to offer, um, be, it, be it defensively or for, in terms of attacking returns? Mm. And I'm just looking at the Everton team sheet to play Spurs um, on Wednesday evening in, in the FA Cup and um, all of the usual suspects are there apart from um, James Rodriguez, who isn't on the bench either. So Dominic Calvert-Lewin obviously starting as you would expect, Sigurdsson, Richarlison all there, Dean is starting, no Pickford interestingly um, again and he's not on the bench either. So that's another element, isn't it, to this captaincy debate is that with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, we're seeing him play obviously on the Wednesday evening, then again at the weekend in a, in a difficult, well, in the game against Fulham, which is the one you want him for, really. And then this time next week against Manchester City, where that's three games in a week. That's tough. Um, would I rather it be on Bruno, who played like half an hour in the FA Cup, uh, just over because he came on? Um and then has a nice game against West Brom. I'm not sure, but I, I don't think there's... I think what I'm trying to say is I don't think there's anything wrong with captain in a single game week of this week, if that is the right thing for your team. Alex, Charles, thank you so much for joining me on this week's Scout the Game Week. It's been lovely to talk to you both and get your insights into game week 23 and look ahead to double game week 24. If you want to hear more from the guys, you can catch them on their social media channels as well as over on all your favorite podcast platforms they are at fpl chip chat next week i'll be joined by dubs and pete from fpl SideNet. they are again part of the scout academy but also part of ffs international and because they are from sunny australia have a great double game week guys and i'll see you ahead of double game week 25